Thank you for tuning into the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. Grab your Bible, get settled, and let's walk through the Word of God together. Let us now reason together and listen to see what God is saying to us today. All right, we thank you for tuning in to the Walk of Truth Christian Fellowship Church Midday Bible Study. We still are in Galatians, and uh, we're going to start chapter 6. We're getting ready to finish up, and this journey has been about the gospel, the gospel, the unadulterated gospel, the gospel of grace, not of law, not of liberalism, not of elected officials. It is the gospel, nothing but the gospel. The gospel is what saves us. The gospel is what what raises us. The gospel of grace, the, the gospel of grace, not the gospel of grace and law, because then it's no more grace. It's works. But the law, gospel of grace allows us to grow at the pace that God wants us to go. It, it all, not only saves us, but it also moves us in the direction to be conformed to his image. The same gospel that saved you. It's the same gospel that you live with every day. The more you understand it, appreciate it, get involved with it, devour it, you begin to know God. That simple thing of grace that you begin to know God, his gospel, his means by which we are saved is his grace. By grace, we are saved. Ephesians chapter two, period. It's through the faith, but by grace, we are saved, which is a gift of God. So even the salvation that we have by grace is a gift. And there's a danger to preaching grace. I'm reading a book by Chuck Swindoll right now about grace. And there's a danger of preaching grace because some people, Sister Carolyn, they take advantage of grace in the wrong way. But that ain't. But see what the the issue is. Do I stop preaching? What is the means by which God wants to save us so they'll stop? No. Because we're sin abounds. Them taking advantage of it in the wrong way, grace abounds much more. So what I understand, Chuck Swindoll said this, and it was so powerful for me as a preacher. He said, if you're not being criticized for preaching grace, you're not preaching the gospel. So you got those who are legalists that don't like grace. Those are the rituals, the traditions, the rites, the rules. You are not saved by anything that you do inside this church building. You are saved by the grace of God. And this building is not the house of God. And I know I'm going to get some flack for that, but where's the house of God right now? In you. In you. So don't make no difference where you see God is on the move. As long as you move and when you show up in any room, God is in the room. If you are saying of God, this building is just a building. It means nothing to God without us in it. Amen. And what we do in it, if the building means nothing to God while we're in it, then what we do in it, we can't use as a works mechanism to say, God, you need to be, be approved by we because we sit in the pew. We got a nice building. We got all the lights. We got the pew. It looks like the temple. Really, this looks like the temple. This is like a small temple, a Jewish temple. It just doesn't have as many divisions in it, but this like this, all this is temple. But temple worship is done. And we were not part of that no way. But we love tradition. But grace says you don't need to live under tradition anymore. Live under the liberty that I've given you. And the way that you stay under grace is the fact that you love Christ Jesus. And what makes you do right now is not law because you're not under the law. The, the law has been fulfilled in Jesus. It's because you love the law fulfiller, which is Jesus Christ. That's where we're at. That's how you grow. Appreciate him. So when I had this thing, like I told you, I gave him praise because without him doing what he did for me at the cross, then I couldn't. There'd be no reason to give praise to God. He sacrificed his life for me that I might be saved. Before we get started, go to uh, John. Go to John 17 and 3. Read read, read what eternal life is. Read John 17 and 3. Mm-hmm. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life, to have life, is to know that Jesus Christ was sent on our behalf. So you can have a better job and not have eternal life. You can have a lot of stuff and not have eternal life. But eternal life is an intimate knowledge of the relationship with God. 
And that's what we do. We are striving to have that relationship to understand not just information, but have the knowledge to the point that it's a relationship, an intimate relationship with God that we may come into his knowledge. And that equals eternal life. You can experience the benefits of eternal life as you get closer to God here on earth. God wants you to live, have life and life more abundantly. Not in the by and by. You got that covered. He wants you to have it here now. And the only way to have it here now is to enjoy, learn of him. Learn of him. His, learn of him. Mm -hmm. Study him. You're being conformed into him. But this is an act of the will. You decide every day how much of him you want to consume. And we know we consume enough of the world. Think about this. All of us in here have graduated from high school or have a certificate. So that's 12 years there. Some of us in this room have went on to get our bachelor's degree. That's 16 years. Some of us have went on to get our master's degree. That's another two years. That's 18 years. Some of us have went on to get our doctorate degree. That's, that's 20 years studying the world system. And to get a better job. To get have make more money. To be recognized. But have you studied God as long? Who'll give you eternal life? And the answer to most people is no. The most important thing in the world is to know God. And you spend more time trying to achieve the world's things versus trying to achieve the relationship with God that you need in spite of the world. So the person who doesn't have all of that could be richer and closer to God than you because their pursuit of God has been real and effectual and consistent. But if I told you you needed to do this, this, and this to earn a six-figure income, you do it. But God is saying, my relationship with me is more important. And in that, to know him is important. But when we come to Christ, when the Galatians come to Christ, that we need to understand that Judaizers was coming behind Paul and trying to preach another gospel, which would take them away from knowing God, which take them away from knowing Jesus. So anybody who teaches something that takes you away is an infectious person. They, they're 11 in your life. And you need to remove them from your life. And if you can't remove them from your life, you need to control the situation on how much of them you're going to deal with. But if you know that they take you away from God and they're talking against God and his church, I mean the body of Christ, then you need not be around them. Okay? But that's just people. We all talk about people. We all gossip. We all do things we should not do. And we all fall, don't we? Yeah. Every day. Every day. So, so, so what we do is we understand that we don't use it as a reason to fall because that'd be taking, taking advantage of grace in the wrong way. We use it to springboard forward and say, you know what? I can be better because God has given me the strength to be better because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Most of the strength that you need is in your mind. You don't need to be strengthened from the external things. You need to be uh, strengthened in your spirit, man or woman, the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. You need to fan his flames and then yield to what you know is good. You need to do that. Okay? So go, go to Galatians 6 and 1. We all fall. We all fall short. We're going to take our time and go through Galatians 6 and 1. Go ahead, read. Coming from the ESV. Just read 6 and 1 and 6 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Okay, go bear ahead. One another, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So now we have a situation in Galatians where Paul had dealt with the fruit of the Spirit. And now he, even though you are saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, got the fruit of the Spirit, understand that you're going to fall and some brothers and sisters going to fall. And when they fall, he tells us, brothers, if any one of you is caught in a fault or a transgression or a sin, okay, you who are the first qualification, you all who are spiritual, okay, and I'm going to say this, you who are mature, in the spirit. You can be a baby saint. And sometimes you still can't handle other people's sin. 
Because what ends up happening is you're not mature enough to understand. See, when you first come to Christ, a lot of people, just because their imagination, they think we perfect. So when you see somebody fall that's supposed, that you're looking up to, you like, how can that be? Because you'll say, quote, unquote, what? They've been in church all their life. Well, that doesn't qual that doesn't separate us from falling. It just shows that we're not perfect. We need a savior when we fall as saints of God. We never stop falling. We shouldn't fall as frequent and as much in what we've been delivered from. But there's some things, you know what, to be honest, you're not going to be delivered from. That you'll be battling with to the day you close your eyes. But as your body decays, you might be able to physically do those things, but your mind still think about them. Okay? So you don't go to the club, but you may, you may wish you was in the club every Saturday. And again, I'm not painting the club as something that's just so negative. I'm just saying, your body gets older, you just don't go. You wish you was there. And Jesus said it starts in our mind. So when a brother or sister calling the fault, those who are mature and spiritual, it is your responsibility, it is your duty, it is your privilege, it is your pleasure to restore that person. So what does restore that person mean, Pastor? Well, restoring that person means you let them know that maybe what they did is not okay, but God still loves them. They are still saved. Because when someone is caught in the fault, they feel less than. They feel condemned. And that's when you got to take them to the word. There is no more condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. Because if you are condemned, what he did at the cross didn't work. He was condemned for us. He was made sin for us that we may live. You may get convicted and become ashamed of what you've done. And that's a good reaction. But you're never thrown away. And as saints, mature saints of God, we never throw anyone away. Now, it doesn't mean we don't discipline them in the church. We can sanction them. Because God, in Matthew 18, the last thing when everybody acting a fool is to sanction them. The leadership has to make up its mind. Does he want to bind or loose? It means sanction or let go. Set, set some kind of penalty. The point for penalty is not to throw someone away. The point for penalty is for them to say, you know what? I don't want to be separated from the saints. I don't want to be told I can't come to church for a few weeks. I don't want to be sat down as a minister. You know what? I'm going to get my act together. It's to embarrass them. It is to convict them into doing what's right. Now, they may look at it and be mad and feel like they're thrown away. But if your intent of correcting them with the word of God is not to throw them away, they may go to, through a period of separation because they're mad. They got to deal with that. Because the goal for correction is not for you to run away. It's for you to run to Jesus. That's the word makes us do. The same word that cures us from our sin cuts us often. And for those of us who are saved, the word spends a lot of time cutting and curing, cutting and curing, cutting and curing, you know, cutting and curing. That's what happens when we come to Christ. So those who are spiritual have the obligation to restore such a one. You look forward to restoring people. And you can do that on the outside of the body of Christ. Quit looking for faults. Quit looking for failures. Look for a reason to lift up, build up, declare, restore, reconcile. The Bible tells us he gave us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That means that we bring people together. That normally, under conditions they're in right now, the circumstances they're under right now, they may not be together. But if you notice, it said restore the brother or sister in this matter. So a lot of times, you guys, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I have more patience in circumstances do I have with people. I have, and what I mean by that is, I'll give you for instance. Today, Everybody showed up a little later than they normally did, right? That's a situation that's going on. Let's say nobody showed up. That's a circumstance, right? I could deal with that. 
impatient, saying, you know, y'all live life. This ain't no thing where y'all cursed or nothing if you don't show up. So I would deal with it. I'd pack my stuff up and go home. And I wouldn't call none of you to ask you why you didn't come. That's the circumstance. But if I took that circumstance, and let's say only Frida showed up, and we're recording the message that we're going to do, we go here forward, and she started messing up. I had patience that y'all didn't show up, but I ain't going to have no patience with her, and she don't want to show up, but she's just messing up because she got stuff in her mind. You see what I'm saying? I don't have patience with her, but I got patience in the situations. God wants you to have patience with the brothers and sisters and not pay so much to the situation because you will tend to have patience in everybody's situation, but you won't have patience with a person. You'll say, oh, well, you know, we don't know their situation, but let that, let that situation come to you or let you have to deal with the situation and the person in the situation let it be your child that did it. See, as long as somebody else's child, you cool. You give all the good advice. Let it be yours. What happened to that, that patience for, for that other child that you gave that you said, now that thing, that, that falling is in your play, your basement on a sitting there playing PlayStation and you down there going off. And you just told sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so about their child in the basement and gave them good wise advice. But when you walked into your basement and saw your child, you went ballistic. See, we have weird kind of thoughts in our mind when it comes to circumstances and other people. But we need to be dealing with people and not their circumstance. Because if the people see that you care, you can go into their circumstance. That's what the next verse talks about. It talks about being careful. Go ahead, verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Don't think more of yourself than you should. Go ahead. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. So in other words, test what you're doing. Examine yourself. Be, And it's not really telling you to boast in yourself. It's saying, don't think more of yourself than you should. It's really saying, if you're going to be critical. Be critical of yourself. If you're going to boast, be willing to be so critical that you can boast in yourself. But we can't boast in our own work. We can examine it, and the Bible says our work is like filthy rags. So that's another level of, of guiding us into this patience, guiding us into restoration with this meekness and kindness to make sure that we don't fall into the same temptation. And the best way to fall, not fall into the temptation that somebody else is going through with their sense. You tell somebody to tell you the story, they get hot and juicy, and you be on the juice and not on the content of the story. You'll get caught up in the, in the, in, 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 because it'll bring back your flesh and your, what you used to do. And next thing you know, y'all just swapping war stories, and you're not even close to reconciling that person. You got to be careful. That's why it's a mature thing, because you can get caught up. And next thing you know, instead of bringing them out of sin, y'all going to sin together. Because we still got issues. You know? And we got to be careful. Okay? So, th so, so this passage is telling us, you know, look at your work. Don't think more of yourself than you should. And if you understand your work, you understand that your work ain't all of that. That you should be boasting on it anyway. But if you go boast, boast in what you do. And, and when you boast to the Lord, he's going to be like, well, that ain't me. You boasting in you. You ain't, you ain't giving me no glory. You telling me how great you are. Okay? But, but what, what, me being great is not going to have a relationship with God. Me humbling myself it is. So don't think more of yourself than you should. Next verse. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Stop. So now it tells us before that, in verse, it tells us to bear each other's burden. And then it tells us that we got to bear each other's, our own load. So not only are you equipped to bear your own load, you're equipped to what? Bear each other's burden. And we have the right and responsibility to bear each other's burden. Now, bearing each other's burden does not mean we just in people's business. 
You don't use this passage to say, I need to, you need to tell me what you're doing. No, no. You need to bear the burden, meaning that once you know the burden is there, be willing, if needed, to bear it. It's just like with our dear sister. If she says she doesn't need any help, as long as we say we're here to help you if you need it, we're letting you know. We'll bear your burden. We'll see what's really going on with you. Okay? But they have to decide to let you in. You don't bombard nobody talking about you know best. You ain't nobody mama but your own kids. Okay? We all adults up in here. Okay? My being pastor don't give me a right to be in your business unless you put me in it. And then as soon as you put me in it, my goal is to help you and get out the way and let God handle it. Okay? That's my goal. Teach you enough word when you can handle your own business. And if you need me to help you to understand some stuff, I'm your guide, not your God. I'm not, I don't have any right to tell you who to date. I don't have any right to tell you uh, where you should do and how you should do and what kind of food you should serve and how you should invest your money. I don't get that kind of right. Okay? And a lot of people have problems with that next passage where it talks about uh, read four. Verse four. Mm -hmm. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Okay, next verse, five. For each will have to bear his own load. Six. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Now see, this is kind of weird because I'm trying to figure out, he like transitioned, right? We were from bearing loads to it tells us to let the one who is taught the word. You're right, taught in the word. Share all good things with those with the one who teaches. Now, that's plain as can day. That's plain as day. Okay? And you decide what you want to do. And I'm not talking about for me. This is this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. I want y'all to get this straight. This is not me telling you to do anything that you don't want to do because the bottom line is God loves a cheerful giver. And I don't want you giving me nothing if it ain't from your heart, even a coffee mug, okay? <laughs> yeah, don't, you ain't got to do nothing. But the Bible clearly tells us that when you're being blessed spiritually, you should be willing to bless those who bless you spiritually, okay? And the teachers right now are the ones that God has raised up in this time. You need to be taught. You don't need no more preaching. You don't need no more miracles. You need to be taught the word of God so you can be a miracle to somebody else. Okay. And again, I am not propagating because I know how we are in the church of 2021. People get upset about that. Okay. It's in the word. It's there. You've worked that out. If you don't even think about it again, that's on you. I'm not advocating you do anything. It's just that we can't sit there and say it's not there, right? Right? What y'all what, y'all scared to say okay? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't hear nobody. Okay. It's there. I mean Yeah, yeah, it's there. You know, and again, we don't we don't sit here and make more of it than we should, but we don't sit there and ignore and pretend like it's not there. It's like the part where it says uh, a pastor, bishop, and all that should be a husband of one wife. You, you can't ignore that because if we take that out there, we can take anything we want out. See, we don't we don't we don't we don't take out the Bible because we don't agree with it because it's 2021 and it ain't what we did. But see, that's you examining the word and say it don't fit with the way you think. Then you got a problem. If you sit here telling the word it don't fit 2021 and that was then and this is now well, the whole Bible was then. See, you can't see the Bible says you got to take all of it or none of it. You can't separate stuff. The problem with society, we have pluralized everything. God said he made what? Man and woman. In his image. To multiply. To multiply. Not man, woman, he, she, lesbian, LBG, TBQ, STR, LMNOP. He didn't make the man did that. And we are getting the we're getting the benefits of that, which are none at all, because the more you separate. Think about this. People think because you designate and separate things, you come together. The more you separate something, the more separated. Even in that community, they war against each other. Did y'all know that that in that community, 
The L's don't like the T's. The transgender and the lesbians, they got an issue with each other. Yeah. And the men, the gay men have an issue because think about it. These are males that decide to keep or look like a woman. Who are they attracted to? Men. Who are gay men attracted to? Men. Who are gay females attracted to? Females. Who are straight? So you see what I'm saying? So there's a war going on because you you dipping into their pool as a transgender. That's too much division. That's what I'm saying. And it benefits nobody. It's just sin. It's just sin of the flesh. You want to call somebody by a pronoun. He, she, whatever. See, that's too much division. You're not going to have unity out of division. And chaos like that. You can't. The Bible tells us. He's not an author of confusion. This is confusion. Go ahead. And you should, and the thing about it is, as a saint of God, you ain't got to get used to that. Yeah, and at work, yeah, I understand. Yeah, but 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 you don't have to get used to that. Yeah, but society, society's in control. Uh huh. In verse six, it says, "Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches." Really? Who who's teaching you? Yeah. Okay. And you're the one being taught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's why I was trying to kind. Of, that's why I was kind of being careful with that because it's there. And sharing all good things don't necessarily mean money. Kind words, encouragement. Prayer. A lot of pastors use this to say, see, it said y'all supposed to pay me. That ain't what it say. It said all good things. All money ain't good, is it? And if you're not giving me, if you gave me money you don't want to, please don't give it. Just keep it. Don't see somebody else. And I've seen that happen. Somebody else see the, see the oh, they, that person slid the pastor $20 or $30. That's what the Bible tells you. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand doing. But you do it in front of people. There's some people that, believe it or not, will see that and figure they need to do it too. Because they think there's a special blessing for them because if they do that. No, no, that ain't what that say. That, that says you should be wanting to share all good things. And if the good thing you share is praying for me, keep praying for me, please. If the good thing for you is to call me and say or write to me or text me, which some of you do, encourage me, that's a good thing. Share the goodness that's in your heart. And if it's money, so be it. But I'd rather have the other than the money. Because, see, the money going to run out. Your prayers don't have to. You see what I'm saying? So share all good things. Whatever that good thing is, do you share it to the person who teaches you. And I've been blessed. Y'all bless me. So don't. Y'all do. Y'all share your produce. Your, pro, your produce. Your produce. Your produce. Hey, that hey, that feeds me and Stacy. We like eating that fresh produce. You know the prayers and 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 the stuff from uh, the, the 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 coffee, the mugs, the encouragement. Man, that's enough for me. And again, I get in trouble with my own clergy people because they think I'm crazy because I'm not trying to do what they do. It, they about they hey, they, they don't want to talk to you unless 
you know, everybody's trying to get together, figure, figure out. I'm telling you, y'all be y'all. If if I can record this, the stuff some of them talk about, they sit there like like they're at a board meeting discussing how they gonna get money out of their people. What what you do, Doc? How you get money out? What? Oh, okay. I'm gonna try that when I get to my church. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna do that to my church. Uh, sidebar. Me and uh, uh, the student was reading. She 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 read Malachi chapter three, and the light bulb went off in her head. She said, "Well, Pastor, why they been lying to us all this time?" I said, "Because you wouldn't read your Bible. They didn't have to. They they got over. They was able to get over because you didn't know." It ain't they, I say, don't see. This is the thing. I I want y'all to read the script. Like what Jackie did, that was great. I'm not. I, yeah, I could have twisted it into yeah. See, you're supposed to give me money, but no, that ain't what they say. It says share all good things. So it teaches. I'm trying to teach y'all the right way. So when y'all, if something happened, y'all end up back in one of these churches. Y'all like the Bible don't say that. You making it say that. Malachi three has nothing to do with the church. Malachi 3, that one they read every Sunday to get you to give, talking about the blessings and the pouring down the rain. Read it like it's supposed to be read. It says food in my storehouse. It says crops. It says bring everything to the storehouse. It has nothing to do, first of all, it got nothing to do with the church. The church is not the Jewish temple. Okay? But if you follow what it says and, and apply it to the church, and you the body of Christ, and you're the temple of God, then you should be feeding yourself. If that, if you're gonna follow that pattern, you're the church temple of God now. But see, it ain't meant for do you to do that either. That's twisted word too. So yeah, share good things with with, with the person who teach you, whoever it is. You know, those who teach all on the internet, your people you listen to, if it's good, pray for them too, because they teaching you. You know, they teaching you. All right, read the next verse after that one. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So, that goes along with that passage. Don't play with God with this. God has gave you other instruction. Remember we said, is this, he gave, now he gave us an example to follow. Pew. And here's the warning. Here's the warning. God's not, don't mock God. Don't ignore this. Do the best you can in what you want to do. Be a cheerful giver, but don't, don't play with God like you're trying to fool him. Oh, pastor, I pay for you every day. Quit lying. Some of you do, some of you don't. I'm not requiring. This is all I'm saying. You don't impress me by saying that. Some, of them, some people come to church and they haven't given in a while. They'll run right up to me. Pastor, and you know, I haven't been what? What you want me to do? That's between you and God. All I know is if I say we can't do something because we ain't got the money, don't you don't you even raise your hand to ask me why if you ain't been giving. That's all I'm asking. But as far as how much you give, what you give, when you give it, I don't think about it at all. As long as we can stroke that check to be here, I'm good. And do buy the books I need to buy for us, I'm good. So into the ministries that we got around the world, I'm good. All the stress of this stuff, I don't pay no attention to. But don't don't play with God when it comes to how you express your goodness to somebody. And that ain't got nothing to do with teachers, too. Each other. Because Carolyn give me some produce out of her garden. Don't you go to Schnooks and tell me that you done grew a garden. You're going to give me some produce, too. I mean, people, I mean, but I'm saying, you know, people will do that. I ain't saying y'all will do that. But you know, it's like I see Carol, Carolyn give me potatoes and tomatoes and all that stuff, and then somebody go, I pass him like that stuff. I'm gonna go to Schnooks. I get it, but tell the truth. Say I went to Schnooks and bought it. it. I bought. I thought about you. I saw that you like zucchini and squash. I thought about you, but don't tell me you got a garden in your backyard. And then I then weeks later I ask you about your garden. You be like, I ain't got no garden. <laughs> you see, don't mock God like that. You don't have to. And that's why I try to put y'all. I put y'all in a position where you don't feel guilty about who you are as people of God. I love all of you the same. And, 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 and the key is, I want you to live free. So when you do decide to do something extraordinary, great, all of that, you do it from a good heart. Because you love God and you love God's people. You know, that's what we do. We, 
We don't do that. We don't do stuff out of compulsion. I don't want to make you do nothing. You should want to do some things. And if you, and whatever you want to do or don't do is fine with me because, again, the bottom line, you belong to God. You don't belong to me. And the pastors would let the people free. They might find out the only reason they got people in their church is because the people scared. Fear is a strong factor to control people. And you tell people that they're going to be cursed, not going to have nothing, and they the only, this is the only place they can get blessed at, oh, my God, you're going to stay there. I would. Go ahead. And see, and see, and, and see, think about this. Think about this. And nobody, now, hold up. They took an offering up for the pastor, but your bill, see, that's what I'm saying. That's that seed in harvest time that's crazy. Think about this. The plant, you plant the seed, and you get the harvest when you plant the seed. But you planted the seed and gave the bill, but your check supposed to be in the mail. The pastor got his check then to pay his bills from y'all. That's crazy. And then with the, the simplest crazy part of mocking God is when you do something like that, you tempting God because you made that debt. God didn't make that debt. Them your credit cards and you didn't waste his money. So now you want him to pay for what you didn't ran up, man. Don't tempt God like that. You know, don't tempt God. They, they shouldn't. But, the, but think about this. Y'all still follow these people. You know, your bills will get paid and you still go back there. For some reason, you become so bamboozled and sentimental attached to the bamboozlement that you can't even see your way clear and make common sense. Because if somebody did that to you on the street, you know they got over on you. But in the church, you take your mind and you go, here it go right here. God never told you to lose, lose your common sense. He told you to be wise as what? Serpents and gentle as a dove. So you don't take away your common sense, your street smarts, and say, God, I'm just going to trust you because that don't make good sense to me. Don't, don't, don't. There are some things that God going to do that don't make sense to you, but don't think, when it comes to your money, be you, common sense. Okay? When it comes to your money, common sense. That's why, that's what he called, what he called them? Good stewards. Good steward of your money. So that means you don't throw it away and you don't support no ministry that's a rat hole that ain't doing nothing. I'm dealing with some people right now. They belong to a church. They don't get nobody, nothing when they join. But they give me envelopes to put their tithes in. Mark the envelopes with numbers on them. Mark, mark the envelopes with numbers on them. 52 number, 50, from 1 to 52. <laughs> that you got to get your tithes. And they looking for them numbers, Okay. All right, read on. We're almost done for the day. Go ahead. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Mm -hmm. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So we talk about eternal life knowing God, John, John 17 and 3. And if you sow to your flesh, if you're doing this thing in the flesh, of the flesh, for the flesh, for the accolades of man, then you will reap the corruption that it brings. You'll be puffed up. You'll be levinated. It'll be all through you. It'll be obvious. People can see it. You're doing this for show. You're not doing this because you love God. You called yourself the pastor because you think it's a money-making thing, and you want to emulate those who do that. And, and, and it'll be evident because you won't have any saved souls. You have sucker souls. Okay? You have that. Everybody loves you. And everybody see that you got a Benz and you tell them if they get, they'll get a Benz. But they still drive around the hoopty, but they write you a check hoping that one day that the God, that they blessing you and that you, that you, that you God's right hand man and you're going to get blessed. And they could have been bought them a Benz if they didn't give you their money. Women giving their bill money, hoping to get extra, and your lights about to get cut off, your daycare about to get canceled, and you take your last like the like the the the, the woman the the woman uh, the woman's might 
You look at that and they teach y'all that that story is a story about Christian giving. My question to you is, had Jesus died yet? No, he observed it and he didn't make a ruling on it. He just thought that was interesting. The, if you read the, in, in context before and after, he was they were talking about how great the temple was, how beautiful it was, how nice it was, how arrayed in gold it was. And then from this woman who's a widow. And if anything, if, you, if you've been with us in the Old Testament, you know widows ain't got nothing coming, do they? Okay? If you've been with us since Joshua, you know the widows ain't got nothing coming. And here she come. And Jesus sitting back looking, he said, look at that. This woman is giving her last. And the Bible tells you her condition because it says she's given all that she had to live on. You didn't see the priest run out there giving her nothing. You didn't see, you didn't see nobody stop. You didn't even see the disciples saying we should go take her. Jesus made a statement. That's his teacher. And he, they said, huh. She gave all that she had to live on. If the disciples were spiritual at that moment, they should have said, we need to do something. But they didn't because they still looking at the building, telling Jesus how great it is in the temple. Then that's when Jesus said, you know what? This system's so corrupt that it'll take a woman, widow's last. And guess what? This thing got to come down and it was destroyed in 78 AD. There is no more temple worship because the temple don't exist. But it got so corrupt that it was take a widow's last. And they will use that passage to tell you to give. And that's not a passage about giving. That's a passage about a corrupt a Judeo system that would take a widow's last. The Bible is replete in the Old Testament about they should take care of the widows and the orphans. They should take care of the widows and orphans. James even said it, widows and orphans. And they're going to let a widow give her last? She shouldn't have gave nothing. They should have ran out there and took care of her because they took stuff. Part of the tithe and the offering the crops was to take care of the afflicted, the widows, and the sojourners. Did nobody run her out there to give her groceries because she was going home to die because she believed in that system that was corrupt. And people use that passage to take y'all's money. And they're going to pay for that. Because that's corruption. You sold to the flesh. The, putting words, God's word out there wrongly is sowing people to the flesh. And you, how many times have y'all heard, oh, let's put it this way. Have y'all heard at least 10 sermons that told you that the widow's my story was a good story. Raise your hand. At least 10 sermons. You know, that the woman, the woman, this is a story about Christian giving. How can it be a story about Christian giving and Jesus ain't dead yet? They weren't called Christians until Antioch. <laughs> so how's that Christian giving? Well, that's Malachi 3. That's what I was talking about. That's Malachi 3. Yeah, man will rob God of tithes and offerings, but he's talking to the Jewish nation. He ain't talking to the church. And he's talking about crops. He ain't talking about money. Okay. He said, so you can have food. What you mean food? There, the, Jesus knew the difference between money and seed. Because he would have told him to get the fish. He said, go get that seed out that fish's mouth. That ain't what he said. He said, go get that coin. And they had a treasure. Read the Bible. See, when you read your Bible, they had a storehouse and they had a treasure. What went in the treasure? Corn didn't go in the treasure. Potatoes didn't go in the treasure. Money didn't go in the treasure. Okay? So what I'm saying, don't, don't let, don't, don't let, don't, don't play God cheap. And don't twist his word. Because you're sowing to the flesh at that point. Go ahead. We're almost done. Um, verse, so then, am, no, I'm sorry, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up. So don't give up by doing good. Always focus on doing good. You can never go wrong by doing good. Restore such a one when they call in the fault. That's doing good. Do good by giving the person that teaches you all good things. He said, yeah, don't get weary in doing good. Do good. The Bible says learn to do good. So doing good doesn't come natural. That's a spiritual thing. So the person who restores is doing good because they're spiritually mature to do it. The person who understands that they should pray for their pastor or do something good for their teacher, whether they're pastor or not, whoever you learn from spiritual things, pray for them. Do something good for them. You know, it ain't got to be money. Okay? Don't get weary in your well-doing. 
Because in due time, what is the Bible is always talking about this time where God will exalt those who have humbled themselves. And he will exalt those who will do good. Because to do good makes you sacrifice your time, your effort to someone else. So when that passage comes, we talk about the teacher who teaches you, you are submitting yourself to doing good to that person. When you restore such a one, you could let them stay out there butt naked, ashamed, away from God, feeling disgraced, feeling disgusted, feeling separated. And you take the time to tell them God still loves them. And come on, don't don't run from church. Come on to church. We got examples of restoration in this church, whereas under normal church circumstances, if we handled it wrong, they would never be. They, they would have never came back. But we handled it right, and they still with us because we look forward to restoring. You know, I don't want nobody to leave up out of here thinking that we don't love them or we don't care about them. I don't want nobody running up out of this church thinking that we say one thing about love and, and have a whole different way in the church, at least for that one hour. Now, I don't know what y'all do when y'all get out there. I don't know how. Let's put it this way. I don't know how hypocritical you live when you get out there. OK, and this is what I'm going to say. If you say you don't live hypocritical, you a lie. And the truth ain't in you. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. And one of the ways we shall fall short is we not always the same in here as when we get out there. Now we try to be, but things happen. And God don't throw us away. So we just shouldn't throw nobody else away. Even when they drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody, you know, if you ever think. Now, God, does God like hypocrites? No. Okay? But the goal is, that's why he had to die. So that grace could be given even to the hypocrites. So when they say hypocrites in the church, you tell them, oh, sure, yeah, you'd be welly welcome because I'm a hypocrite too. Come on in. We're learning how to not be so hypocritical every day. Little bit by little, we're not as hypocritical as we were 10 years ago. Okay, we're walking by the Spirit. Remember chapter 5, talking about walking by the Spirit. So when people talk about the church, you sit there and you can agree with them. Yes, them churches out here robbing people, them churches out, but you could actually say, my church don't do that. This is a healing place. Yeah, this, this is a place for restoration. This is a place for reconciliation. And yes, everybody up in here is a hypocrite, even me. The person you're talking to them, say, even me. But you know what? I'm being healed from that. So if you if you live hypocritical, I'm glad you point out that I'm a hypocrite because I go to church. But guess what? We all are hypocrites. That's why we need church. God didn't come to save the righteous. He said, I come to save sinners, which I am the chief. So you make yourself sound bad. I'm worse than you. Whatever you tell me, I'm worse than you. Whatever you tell me, I don't care what you done done. I'm worse than you. And if God did it for me, he'll do it for you. As a matter of fact, he ain't got to do it. He done already did it. You just got to believe. That's how you win people to Christ. And then if they want to come to your church and peep some stuff out to see the difference, come on. Win them to Christ first and don't worry about the church, the actual where they go worship later. Don't, don't quickly try to run them up in here because they get shell-shocked when they come up in here because they come in with preconceived notions. And Think about this. Even though we don't do stuff that other people do, they still expect it to be done. And when we, we, we don't do it, then now they think we're a cult. You complained about it being done on, when you was talking to me, but now you see we don't do it. What's really going on up in there? Yeah, how they doing? How they making it? Well, you see the little box you give when you want to give. What? You mean y'all not forcing this? No. We just, God has been good. He will always be good. Okay? All we got to do is to keep teaching the word of God. And that's our power. Your power is, your power, Vera's just prayed. Her prayer was along the lines of the word of God. That's what your power is. The more God, the more words you got, the better your prayers. The more words you got, the better your praise. You're beyond a baby praise. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's the highest word. But you can add some stuff to it because you know the word of God. You know, he never leave you nor forsake you. You wouldn't know that unless you knew the word of God. He is our righteousness. He is our banner. All those Jehovah words. You wouldn't know that if you didn't know, if you didn't know the word of God. And those are the things that God, you know, in, in a non, don't get me wrong, I'm not being irreverent. But think about it. God is, is, a, is, is a holy narcissist. He love his own word, don't he? And he love us to talk about him, don't he? He love us to give him praise, don't he? 
He loves us and gives us honor. But there's a caveat to that. He died and he deserves it. We ain't died and we want it. We ain't gonna die for nobody. We say that. But let your let your son or daughter be real bad. You be like, nah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I'm good. Go ahead. But praise God. Let's pray. You know what I wanted to say? Go ahead. You was asking who was going to pray, and I said, I know Sister Jackie, I know she always do. You volunteer, and I'm like, Lord, I was like, the priest was like, I'm like, I don't know what to say. He just told me what to do. Pray for somebody. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That's all you got to do. Open your mouth and start praying for somebody. Still. Okay, we got one more verse in that chapter. Good. Then we, then we done. So I got. Hold, so next week you get your books. The books. Go ahead. Final warning. Benediction. Let's go. Well, go ahead. Verse ten. Go ahead. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thank you. Yes. Then we find it. Let's do them do the final warning benediction. Then I'll give y'all books next week. Go ahead. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who will force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So before he said circumcision or non-circumcision counts for anything but eternal life, and now he's added a bit to it, a new creation. And we'll actually dissect that next week, and I'm going to give out your books next week. So we'll do the benediction, and we'll dissect that next week. So let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word that has come forth today. Continue to bless us and keep us as we walk by faith and not by sight. Watch over each and every one of us, Lord, as we walk out through the valley of the shadow of death, that we may not fear any evil. For thy rod and thy staff will comfort us, O Father God. You have prepared a table before our enemies, and our cup of joy will run over, Lord. Continue to watch us, keep us, until we see each other on Sunday. Bless all those who are attached to walk in truth, whether it be by family or be by friend, Lord. We just want you to love us, and Lord, continue to teach us grace upon grace, and give it to us, Lord, and let us preach the gospel of grace. For it is the gospel of God, which is the power of the salvation to the Jews first and to the Gentiles, to all those who believe. So, Lord, we love you. We believe you. And, Lord, teach us how to do good to everyone. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We worship at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ Building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue, Overland, Missouri 63114. Times of Worship. 8.30 on Sunday, Bible study 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Tuesday. All are welcome and thank you for considering us as your place of worship.